0: The products discussed in this podcast are only available in the United States. Hello, everyone. This is Kevin McCullough from the Portfolio Analysis and Consulting team at New Texas Investment Manager Solutions. I'm joined by my colleague, Mark Santolo. And today we're going to be talking about recent trends among institutional investors. Mark, I know in 2022, which was obviously a challenging investing environment, We saw a great deal of dispersion among the returns of different institutional investor types. Uh, Has this changed given the market performing more positively this year?
1: Definitely. Our first trend looked at returns among endowments, foundations, and public pension plans, all client segments that typically make use of private markets. It was good to see essentially all of these investment programs post positive returns in both Q4 of 2022 and Q1 of 2023, despite the lagged effect of private market write-downs. We also saw a pretty tight dispersion of returns with only a few percentage points separating top and bottom quartile returners in Q1.
0: We pointed out a trend last year where private companies with valuations of over a billion dollars, so-called unicorn companies, uh, still experiencing strong growth even as equity markets were correcting. Uh, have we seen any changes to that trend? Have we seen that slow like we, like we would have expected, you know, as, as we speculated last year?
1: Yeah, back last summer we had noted the disconnect of over 200 unicorns being added in the first half of 2022 while the public markets were selling off sharply, as we saw the global list grow from 958 to 1170. This was something that ended up slowing pretty dramatically with only about 50 net new unicorns added to the list in the past year, up to 1224 at mid-year 2023. From a valuation perspective, the total market value is actually a little bit lower at June 30th than it was at December 31st which is the first decline we've seen in the past several years. But when you look at the underlying business lines of the unicorn list, one bright spot is the subset of companies involved in artificial intelligence. We saw the number of global unicorns primarily involved in AI grow from 89 to 96, and we estimated that the market value of AI unicorns grew 35%, from $342 billion at year-end to $463 billion at mid-year. As we mentioned in the article, this increase was largely driven by two firms, ByteDance, the Chinese parent company of TikTok, and OpenAI, which announced a multi-billion-dollar partnership with Microsoft.
0: Yeah, from from my conversations with advisors, there's been a lot of distrust around the recent market rally, given you know the narrow breadth that's uh, you know basically led by a handful of mega cap names. I think at least part of that story is investors trying to find ways to access AI themes through public markets, but public market options to really achieve that exposure are are honestly pretty limited.
1: To me, there's a good chance that a bulk of that growth will come from private markets. We've seen a few estimates suggesting that the AI industry could reach $2 trillion by 2030. So we already have nearly 500 billion of that $2 trillion in the current unicorn population. It would make sense to see some additional growth and new entrants on that list. Having said that, this data might be tougher to track in the future, as AI becomes something a lot of different companies are involved in at various levels.
0: Given how challenging 2022 was for you know traditional assets, traditional equities, traditional fixed income, we saw quite a bit of flows come into the alternative investment space. Alternatives are always a segment of the market where you know we see a good deal of dispersion between different strategies and different managers in any given period. Uh, are there any notable results from the recent performance experience there?
1: I'd say alts generally did okay during the first half of the year. They didn't make you a ton of money, but they didn't typically lose you any money. One category that had a pretty hot start to the year was option trading. This was the best returning of the seven main Morningstar alts categories by far, up 11.2% in the first half of the year. That was better than all fixed income categories and competitive with some equity categories as well. Looking at implied volatility as reflected by VIX, we were pretty elevated versus history for much of the first half of the year, which led to higher than average premiums from option selling. And if you invested in a blend of the CBOE, BXM, and PUT indices, that represents S&P 500 call writing and PUT writing, respectively, you'd have actually outpaced a 60-40 type allocation, particularly during the first five months of the year. We started to see VIX grind lower in Q2, so you're starting to see premium income fall to more normal levels. What about private markets? Yeah, so institutional commitments to private equity have been pretty robust over the past several years. On top of that, IPO volume has only recently shown signs of life, so essentially there's a lot of capital that's been deployed but not yet distributed back. Put simply, there's been a big mismatch between money in and money out. For investors in that situation, the lack of distributions might make their returns a bit more exposed to valuation uncertainty. Here you might be seeing dispersion simply due to one strategy's companies being written down more aggressively and one strategy's holdings being adjusted less aggressively. As we mentioned, you started to see some private market write-downs late last year, but it seems like this remains something to watch.
0: Real estate's been receiving a lot more attention recently, given its perception as an inflation hedge. There's probably a lot to unpack here, but what trends do you think are most significant?
1: We're seeing somewhat of a recomposition in real estate strategies away from the office sector. The NACREF open-end diversified core equity, commonly known as the Odyssey, tracks institutional private core real estate strategies. And core real estate strategies typically invest in four main types of properties, apartment, industrial, office, and retail. For years, office was the largest weight in the index by a decent margin as high as 40% back in the early 2000s. It's now down to 20%. What's largely taken its place at least over the last few years are industrial properties, which is now 31% of the index. Um, These are your properties involved in manufacturing, storage, and distribution.
0: I still hear significant concerns about the commercial real estate space, given you know there's a lot of longer term lease contracts that have yet to roll over. If you know your market's not sure whether there's going to be another round of price discovery when you know those leases come up to uh, you know actually be rebid. Uh, have you seen any changes in the way that institutions are approaching the real estate mix, given that ongoing concern?
1: You know, obviously, the office sector has seen challenges since the onset of Covid. Some of the decline in the typical core real estate allocation has simply been lower market values, but some of it is managers reducing their exposure to office properties for the time being as well. On the public REIT side, which tends to be a lot more diversified than private core real estate, office allocations are down to about 3% of the index. Um, The industrial category has grown there as well, but the largest increase has been in the specialized category. That includes things like data centers, If you want to tie that back to our earlier trend, when you think about the growth of AI and the importance of data to that growth, specialized real estate could be a category that continues to rise over the next several years. So, you know, I think while a lot of the commercial real estate pain has been realized, there's probably more to come over the next few years. But it's possible that many investors will see a more muted impact from the office industry going forward based on the new starting point.
0: Inflation has clearly remained stickier than many market participants had been expecting. A lot of institutional investors have inflation expectations baked into their investment assumptions for long-term planning purposes. Have you seen any changes here given the persistence of that higher inflation?
1: One area we've been focused on has been nuclear decommissioning trusts, or NDTs, with liabilities often tied to projected future energy storage costs. A higher inflation environment has the potential to be more significant for NDTs than, say, pension funds which discount their liabilities based on nominal interest rates. Um, To be honest, I almost wrote about this dynamic in the year-end edition of institutional trends, but we could not find a lot of evidence of an impact at that point in time. I do think that seemingly started to change, though. According to a recent NDT survey conducted by NISA, the average cost inflation assumption went from 2.7% in 2021 to 3.5% in 2022. Uh, now you know. Now to be clear, inflation cost assumptions were above this level in the early 2000s, so 3.5% in and of itself is not unprecedented, but what's noteworthy to me is the trajectory. The average assumptions have been steadily declining, and this was the first meaningful increase to the assumptions in the past 30 years. Another observation I found interesting, we've also seen a few nuclear power plants announce extensions to planned decommissioning dates. Oyster Creek in New Jersey and Pilgrim in Massachusetts both announced four-year extensions to their planned decommissioning. Citing poor investment performance and higher than expected inflation in 2022. Higher inflation essentially caused the assets to fall and the liabilities to rise at the same time, so the decommissioning costs would have risen. In the case of the Pilgrim plant, the owner is extending their time horizon from 8 to 12 years, but it's still 48 years ahead of the allowable 60 years. Any institutional investor dealing with a funding gap and looking to avoid making additional contributions. Would tell you that the choices in that scenario are either to increase risk or extend the time horizon. So uh, it's interesting to see this play out in this space. Something to continue to watch if inflation continues to remain sticky.
0: Yeah, I, as an individual, uh, myself certainly, I think we're all grappling with uh, reevaluating our expectations about future inflation and and you know all sorts of other uh, future expectations at, at this point. Uh, Well, thank you, Mark. That concludes our discussion on trends among institutional investors. For more information, please visit our website. And as always, feel free to reach out to us with any questions, comments, or for customized insights tailored to your specific portfolio. On behalf of the Portfolio Analysis and Consulting Team at Texas Investment Manager Solutions, thank you for your continued partnership, and thanks for listening. Important information. As of July 10,
2: 2023, this material is provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as investment advice. There can be no assurance that developments will transpire as forecasted. Actual results may vary. The views and opinions expressed may change based on market and other conditions. Investing involves risk, including the risk of loss. Investment risk exists with equity, fixed income, international and emerging markets. Additionally, alternative investments, including managed futures, can involve a higher degree of risk and may not be suitable for all investors. There is no assurance that any investment will meet its performance objectives or that losses will be avoided. This document may references to copyrights, indexes and trademarks that may not be registered in all jurisdictions. Third-party registrations are the property of their respective owners and are not affiliated with Natixis Investment Managers or any of its related or affiliated companies. Collectively Natixis. Such third-party owners do not sponsor, endorse or participate in the provision of any Natixis services, funds or other financial products. Natixis Advisors. LLC provides advisory services through its division Natixis Investment Manager Solutions. Advisory services are generally provided with the assistance of model portfolio providers, some of which are affiliates of Natixis Investment Managers. LLC Natixis Advisors. LLC does does not provide tax or legal advice please consult with a tax or legal professional prior to making any investment decision at solutions.com member sipc at tracks 579669311 expiration date july 31st 2024 pack 89 june 2023